0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more
1: information and to donate online. Now, stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And hello, you with Dirt, uh, on Dirt radio 3CR community. Uh, apparently, I just realized that I could not play the jingle for X reason, but I have the chance to have Kat and uh, Dom with me today. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, yeah, really good. Mm-hmm. So, are you ready to speak a little bit about Cole and uh, what's going on here in Victoria, plus with Lock the Gate? So, like, we were on Friday, isn't it? Like, the, all, all of us, we, we were voiced. Voice, sorry, voice of the valley. So Hazelwood the fire disaster happened. and uh, we're going also to speak about the Victorian energy politics. So with Quit Call and other orgs, we were supporting the a talk in Carlton about Hazelwood and the new inquiry. It's going to happen to to the people of the community like Morwell, is that right? And yeah. like of the village.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, just before the last election in Victoria, um, uh, the group down there after the mine fire campaigned really hard to get the um, the Labor government to reopen inquiry into the mine fire down at Hazelwood and and um, find out what happened there. So they've been re- really working really hard in that process to get that process happening to start with to push the government to do that, and now to make sure that um, that that process kind of uh, helps the community to to get some kind of uh justice around what happens so um, justice
1: justice about what happened what do you mean by justice uh why is there any justice to regarding this fire
2: uh i guess the the fire costs about a hundred million dollars uh, okay. to the, the, the Victorian community, government for the, okay um and uh, Hazelwood so far haven't paid any of that um the GDF Suez the company that uh that own Hazelwood, they haven't paid a cent towards that. And um, also the the way that the situation was handled in terms of people's health and stuff, people were told. Uh, a whole lot of contradictory stuff, basically. They were, they, the town wasn't evacuated, even though it was really dangerous and a whole uh, tons of people had really serious health issues. Um, and the study uh, came out around the time that said that 11 people died as a result of the fire. Um, 100 people, 11, 11, 11 or so 11 people <laughs> um, they did a Whoa. review of the kind of births, deaths and marriages oh. and there was a spike at that time and that kind of seems like probably the tip of the iceberg because um, a lot of these health issues that come about as a result of sort of breathing in the, um, the fumes from the fire with all the, the nasty stuff that's in that smoke um, are really long term Uh, And so we've seen recently in the past few months uh, firefighters coming out with really serious um, health issues um, and a lot of people in the local community are sort of having ongoing health problems because of that. So Voices of the Valley are doing a really fantastic job of making sure that these people don't get ignored
1: don't get ignored especially like if a company uh needs to pay the bill like they make the firefighters sick the community sick some miners also sick yeah. and yeah. Uh, they don't they want to run away from their, uh from the money they have to pay yeah?
2: mm. and i think for a long time like people in the valley have been really uh hesitant to speak out against the coal companies and against what the coal companies are doing um and a lot of people in Melbourne who are kind of climate activists have been pushing to say, oh, we need to shut the coal fired power stations and that kind of thing, which we obviously do. But um, yeah, a lot of people in the valley have been really hesitant to criticise that because of the power that coal has in the valley and yeah. um, the history of that coal has had in sort of building. Um, but
1: this valley we're talking about is the Latrobe Valley? That's it's like Latrobe yeah, valley, yeah. two hours' drive from Melbourne?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Morwell's yes. about an hour and a half away. Right.
1: Yeah. How many people roughly live around there? Do you know? Uh,
2: there's about forty thousand people yeah, in Morwell, Mo- I think.
0: Morwell's pretty big, and Tiarogan's pretty yeah. big as well. Yeah, and So then, there's quite a few people. Okay.
2: About a hundred thousand people in the valley. Yeah. I I would guess. Yeah.
1: And it's like a farming area. Yeah. So farming and coal.
2: Yeah. I imagine. Before the before the yeah. <laughs> Go really well together. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Before the '50s, it was all farmland, and yes. then, um, yeah, in the in the past kind of sixty years, we've seen different power stations open up as they worked out how they could burn brown coal, um, which is a little bit more complicated than black coal. Yeah,
1: how is Quit Coal and us guys from here from the Metro campaign uh, getting involved to support them?
2: Um, well, there has been a num- It's been actually really good to see a number of different groups come together. Um, AYCC, 350, Quick Coal, Environment Victoria, mm-hmm. a whole um, bunch of different um, organisations in Melbourne have kind of come together to support Voice of the Valley. Um, like you mentioned earlier, there was a fundraiser last Friday night to try and get some funds for the group because they really have been struggling to... Um, sort of just with the basic costs of campaigning. Um, and... um people were down there sort of door knocking to as part of a health survey for the inquiry. Um, and yeah, there's been support in kind of helping the group strategize and, and share whatever skills people have got. Um, but they are doing a fantastic job. I mean, it's just a bunch of community members that have come together and, um, been doing a really fantastic job of kind of like wrangling politicians and speaking to the media and doing all this stuff that, um, yeah, it can be pretty difficult and pretty intimidating. Oh, yes, yeah. I can. So we can learn a lot from them, I think, as I well. I we absolutely yeah.
0: can. Yeah, they've really stepped up impressively in a very short space of time for people who, you know, this isn't what they do. This isn't what they've chosen to do with their life. It's been kind of thrust upon them. They've been really inspiring, I think, for a lot of us in the metro area. Um, I think for me, like, one of the most important things that we can actually do is just kind of show our faces and, you know, cons- like constantly go to them and go, what can we do? What can we do? How can we support you? Um, and just kind of, like, make sure that they know that they're not doing this alone.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. it.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Like, it mean reminding me that a great book about that is called, so Le, the, um, the book writer is Dom Do. He's the writer of a book named The Cold Face. He's telling the story of this community and condemned to live uh, in the town for 45 days on the, during the coal fire with very poor support from the authorities. The things we can we, uh, I was reading in this book is not only the community uh, had to suffer, it's also miners were also pushed to keep working with a high-level carbon emission all around them. And uh, there is this um, this page in this book, it's the, the story of Brett. So Brett is working... On, uh, was working in a mine on a dredger at the time and uh, did not realize that he had an elevated and dangerous level of carbon monoxide in his blood and he said I was digging coal far away from the other side of the open cut and I thought there is no drama here, the wind is blowing pretty strong I only went outside for half an hour to check the old level and then the next things you know, I'm going to hospital that's what he said. So like it's not only like poor farmers community just on the side struggling to fight with this open cut mine fire. It's also like the miners. So we're mm. just down there still working on the site with the fire next to them and just, just we're passing out.
2: And the reality of the situation down there is that there's been years and years of neglect since privatization in the nineties. Um the um Rim- GDF Suez they haven't spent any money on maintaining the site and the workers really do suffer a lot from from that you know they're working in an environment that's just not safe and the mine fire was the most extreme example of mm-hmm. how unsafe that environment is
0: And that that was a result of they done um, like neglected all the um the fire prevention like the water pipes and everything and I think from memory yeah, that they it, like yeah. there was you know, to get to a fire hydrant, they had to drive through a wall of flame pretty much. And it was, you know, you don't, there's no maps of the area. So the firefighters coming in didn't know where the facilities were, whether they were still operating. Um, They had, you know, they were out there on their own with no water trying to fight this fire.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, not only is it a a climate bomb, but it's also, uh, you know, this health catastrophe catastrophe for local people um and there's so much pressure particularly on the workers not to speak out about what the actual conditions in the mine are because you know they do have well-paid jobs and those jobs are threatened if they speak out so So
1: well-paid job but not healthy yeah totally and like you cannot you cannot rely on the um, on the bosses for example and on the gdfc's company to look properly after them because they have a because what we we could see like now is they've been pushed to be silenced.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think um, the life expectancy for a coal worker is something like 20 years less than the average Australian. And the yeah. life expectancy for someone living in the Latrobe Valley is about 12 years less than the average Australian. So it really hits hits them hard, hits that community hard, mm-hmm. And that's why it's so exciting, I think, to see a community group like Voices of the Valley standing up and saying... You know, we do have a voice and we're going to fight for, fight for our health and fight for our community. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Kat. We stay all together. I'm going to play a quick community announcement. And after we stay tuned to Dirt Radio, we'll talk about Quit Call and Lock the Gate.
0: It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. You say it's only progress, but you didn't Did you know most of Gippsland and southwest Victoria are covered in licences for unconventional gas and coal exploration? Gas companies are trying very hard to get their hands on Victoria's
1: precious farmlands. Are we going to let them? No, it's time to declare Victoria gas field free. The state government
2: has launched another inquiry, but
1: won't commit to permanently protecting Victoria. So come and rally with the Lock the Gate movement and stand with the 64 gas free communities on the steps of the State Library on Sunday, September 20th at 12 noon. Information, quitcall.org.au. Friends of the Earth is a free year And that's right. No fracking way. You're back on Dirt Radio with Colin, Kate, and uh, and Dom. Thank you very much. So the first uh, the first show we are talking about Hazelwood and the fire, and like now I would like to have a little bit of a talk between like Quit Call and Lock the Gate. So Quit Call and Lock the Gate are both working hard to ban conventional gas here, exploration here in Victoria, and also uh, we are talking about fracking before I will we'll talk about fracking a little bit later Uh, so they are under they're often under the same banner yeah so I would like to have a little bit more could you please Kat uh, tell us a bit about the history of like to start with the the history of lock the gate campaign in Australia and how quit call merged this campaign to the original call focused
0: Yeah, so Lock the Gate um, is an organisation that has been campaigning in um, New South Wales and Queensland using the Mining Free Communities model, um, and they've been doing that for quite a while. Um, So in Victoria, um, Quick Coal has been using the same model um, to campaign and to support the local communities in. um, surveying their areas and declaring themselves um, unconventional gas-free or coal and unconventional gas-free, depending on what um, exploration licences cover those areas. Um, So, yeah, it can be a bit confusing at times because we do kind of interchange between Quick Coal and Lock the Gate when we're speaking about this. Um, But in Victoria, it is Quick Coal and Friends of the Earth who are running or, so you know, kind of, I guess managing the campaign, supporting the farmers and the communities um, but we are using the same model of organising.
1: Yeah. So how is uh, Quit Coal in the past? We're mostly like, focusing around coal, new coal here in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, how did you become uh, gas anti-gas professional after being an anti-coal professional?
2: Um, so yeah, we were campaigning, I think it was about three and a bit years ago now, we were campaigning around a new coal mine in Backers Marsh Um and yeah, great campaign by the way, <laughs> right guys. Yeah, and we and uh, you know we'd worked really hard to um, work with the local environment group and um, organise a lot of local events and sort of going down there a lot. Um, and so I had a bit of an idea of um, working with communities to stop new coal projects. Um, and then we saw—I can remember um, seeing this video with a few other people from Quick Coal of. Um, the first mining-free community, uh, which was the Channon in the northern rivers of New South Wales, and they made this beautiful little video um, part of, of, and explaining how they'd done this survey and they'd gone door-to-door and every had spoken, one, a neighbour had spoken to all their other neighbours and they'd gone through this amazing process of mobilising the entire community um, and letting everyone know about what was going on and then making a shared declaration that they wouldn't tolerate this industry in, in their area. And then they would do whatever it took to stop the industry from coming. And I can just remember thinking, wow, what what a powerful model for for resisting um, invasive mining development. Uh, and so we basically just said, we need to speak to those people, <laughs> yeah. um, call, called them up um, and, and got them down to Melbourne to chat to us. And then we took them uh, to Gippsland to chat to local communities out there. And the campaign yeah really got rolling from there, so we just sort of had um had a bit of a recipe for for how to campaign to stop new um coal and gas projects, which um And
1: did you have to to learn about gas also because you were more like focused about like coal and coal mines and like all the process about unconventional gas, shale gas, fracking could be a little bit like complicated at the beginning. How did you how did you get where did you get your info? Did you get in touch with like the other Lock the Gate group from New South Wales?
2: Yeah, I can remember and probably only the sort of second or third week that I got involved in Quick Coal. Someone said, oh, we really need to write a page about fracking and what what fracking is because no one in Victoria was campaigning on on unconventional gas and fracking. So, um, I naively put my hand up say, oh, I'll I'll write a page about fracking. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, basically went away and did lots of research Mm -hmm. and and read everything I could find and um, looked at sort of other groups around the world that were campaigning around fracking and what they were talking about. So roughly like
1: quickly fracking is like injecting high pressure a cocktail of high pressure water and chemical uh in the ground to just like frack the the rock and to let the gas coming through and we just like have to pump a little bit of the gas on the, on the top roughly that.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's injecting a, a cocktail of chemicals and water yeah. um, into the ground to break up the rock so that the um, the coal seam gas can be extracted more easily.
1: So at the yeah. moment we see like the campaign, uh, the quit called "Lock the Gate" campaign here in Victoria, uh, is changing and not using the word fracking much more, and we are talking more about like unconventional gas. Uh, w- why is that happening? people know fracking a little bit more.
0: Um, I think. I mean, Dom, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um i in my understanding it's just um using using the words unconventional gas is more um it covers more bases for us, so fracking is a particular method of extracting unconventional gas, so yes. by just using the word fracking, you're kind of discounting the other methods, methods of extraction, and you're kind of really narrowing the campaign more than you more than is necessary um so it's partly about education to make sure people understand that there are. You know, it's the same as why we don't use coal seam gas as much anymore and we try to use unconventional gas to explain because coal seam gas is just one sort of unconventional gas. There is also tight gas and shale gas. Um, So it's just about broadening the conversation and making sure that people kind of understand that, yeah, it is – there are all these different sorts of unconventional gas and, all, and different ways of extracting it, and we're not just campaigning on one method of extracting one sort of unconventional gas.
1: Are they able to extract gas on a safe and sustainable manner at the moment?
2: The the evidence around the world is is basically suggests not. No. <laughs> um, yes. And and I guess the experience of a lot of people in a lot of different places mm. that companies have set in and have come in and they've said, oh, we're not like those guys. There's a better regulatory system here. We're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it safely. Um, and yeah, that, you can't really point to any examples of where it's been done. Yeah. And I think the reality is as well, that there's a lot, there's a lot that hasn't been properly studied about the process. So questions around fugitive emissions that are escaping Mm -hmm. from the ground. I mean, there's some really concerning stuff coming out of Queensland about, which suggests that there's massive quantities of methane that have escaped as a result of the mining. But it is really, really difficult to get um, a, a clear picture of what's actually happening because those baseline studies just weren't done. And if you were to do that, if you were to conduct proper baseline studies, you'd basically just be conducting an experiment on our groundwater system, yeah, on you'd our have climate, to, you'd have on the local another... people's health. And, uh, yes. you know, yeah. it's not worth it. We don't, we don't actually need the gas either. There was a really interesting report that came out mm. um, from the Melbourne Energy Institute basically saying, like, gas demand has peaked. Um, there's a whole host of... It, it's now cheaper, basically, to heat our homes using electricity than gas. Um, You know, induction cooktops are are a really efficient, effective way of cooking. I mean, gas is sort of this technology that um, is becoming less and less useful. Um,
0: And the motivation for the unconventional gas industry is um, to produce more gas for export. It's not for us to use domestically. Um, We have plenty of, um, you know, conventional gas sources if we choose to continue to go down that road. Um, for us domestically, but the, yeah, the unconventional gas is for export. Um, and you know, if we, if we go down that road, we're sacrificing our own communities, our own, you know, land and water, um, food sources, um, and it'll increase the price because as soon as you start exporting something, the price goes up. Yeah, so, the, you know, the, too. the rhetoric about around, you know, lowering the gas prices is just is crap. Um, what we are, what
1: about, know. like, we, we talk about the, the gas extraction will uh, affect the land and the water. Uh, how long is that, is that affect farmland for, roughly? Well, I think
0: uh, we don't know. We've got it, no idea. We like, have could no be, idea. It's like it could five be five years, or so it's like 20 years? Uh, it or? could be 50, 100, 200, 1,000 years. We, ha- we have no idea. And this is, you know, a, a big part of the problem is that we just do not understand this industry and this process. And the length of time that it would take for us to conduct those studies, we would probably ruin the planet completely. Yeah.
1: So, they it just arrives, they trash the sides, they leave, and after we need to pick up the the trash?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And so much, so much waste also, like, and really hard to to get the waste. Uh, just to move on a little bit on uh, regarding the gas, I know that quit coal had an organizing day not long ago. Uh, are we going to see quit coal focusing on coal again? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, Dom, Dom, do you want to talk really briefly about um, what's going on in Merbur North?
2: Yeah. So um, it's a thirty second rundown. Uh, yeah, a, a few months ago, the um, the Victorian government approved um, a series of coal licences around the Merbur North area, which is in South Gippsland, um, and it's an area that. Um, there's there's never a really good place to put a coal mine but if you're going to put one <laughs> anywhere in Victoria Mubu North would probably be one of the worst places and not only because it's such a beautiful area but because the community there are so well organized and mm. completely opposed to um having um invasive uh coal seam gas and coal mining in their area they've declared already that they've declared their community Coal and Gas field Free. Um, They've just done an amazing job of organising against these proposals. And it's been so effective. Um, They've pushed... Recently in the last week, we found out that the Energy Minister, Minister Lily D'Ambrosio, has taken back the power from the department to approve mining leases because she's so unhappy with the job that the department has done of approving these leases. (laughs) And the reason she's unhappy is because the community's unhappy and because they've pushed... They pushed her to say okay yeah. don 't worry guys i 'll try and find a fix here yeah. so true. a really great example of a community um, standing up for themselves so um, yeah, I think we're we're doing a really good job of fighting off new coal projects in Victoria, um, and I think we're also looking to to see like we were talking about earlier, how we can support kind of um, communities in the Latrobe Valley to campaign around health um, and, An alternative. And start maybe. Yeah, start that conversation about saying, you know, what's the what's the future after coal? Yeah. Um yes, how can we right. make this That's a good question. How can we how can we um move away from a coal from coal in a way that's positive for the community, um, you know, recognizes the reality of climate change. Um yeah. And, yeah, it's looking for a positive, healthy future for, for all the people that live down there in those cold dependent regions, yeah. Positive,
1: healthy future. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show pretty, pretty soon now. I would like to make a couple announcements for the coming events. Uh, Kat, do you want to start? Um,
0: yes. What, do you want me to start with the... Yeah, if you have
1: an announcement to make, like yep. you free. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Maybe not. <laughs> um,
0: yes, yeah, so I can um, really briefly, um, on the 21st of September, um, the Melbourne hearing um, for the inquiry into the DGR status of environment groups will be taking place. Um, so that'll be at le- the Legislative Council Committee Room at Parliament House. Um, and we really encourage as many people as possible to come down and show support for environment groups um so there's groups like Environment Victoria, Friends of the Earth, AYCC, Gene Ethics. You know, there's a whole lot of groups that are kind of facing this, um, the committee, um, and you know, giving presentations and being questioned. And it would be really awesome to have people coming down and saying, like, you know, we we support environment groups. We need environment groups to keep to hold that balance. Um, and so the DGR, that's the um, deductible gift recipient, um, that is. Um, pretty much whether or not environment groups um, are tax-deductible um, when they receive donations. And that's a massive, um, massive thing for a lot of groups, whether they have enough money to function and to keep doing the work that they do. Um, so the hearing starts at 9.30, and that's at the Legisl- Legislative Council Committee Room. Um, it's open to the public. Um, and there will also be a lunchtime event out the front between 12.30 and 1.30 on the steps. Um, so if you want to follow online... Um, jump on Twitter, Foe will be live tweeting and the hashtags are um, DefendEnviroOrg, so it'll be across the board and um, Foe will also be using Friend of Foe. Um or come in and, you know, live tweet yourself from inside.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much. Yep. We also have a rally coming up. Yeah. Dom, do you want to talk a little bit about the rally?
2: Yeah. So you might've heard the jingle um, <laughs> and you might've recognized the voice in the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> um um yeah so on, on the 20th of September uh, this Sunday coming up, um, we're going to be having a declaration day to declare Victoria gasfield free. yeah already there's woo, <laughs> already there's over 64 communities that have declared themselves um, gasfield free and we think it's time to declare all of Victoria gasfield free once and for all. no one wants it no one we don't need it um, We need to what we need is a show of force to say that we won't tolerate yeah. the industry in Victoria yeah. we're not asking the government. To, to ban gas, we're telling them that it's not happening in Victoria. <laughs>
1: awesome. Okay. So, this is the 20th of September. This is this Sunday. Yep. We're meeting at State Library. State
0: Library at 12 o'clock. At 12 o'clock. Yeah. yeah.
1: Family-friendly event, I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And
2: a really great chance to stand with um, a lot of the people who are actually really directly threatened by this industry, whose yeah. who's, who's land... Um, whose communities um, would be absolutely decimated. So really fan- fantastic opportunity to show Some your solidarity. support and your solidarity yeah. with, with these people who've been working so hard over the past three years to push push us to the situation where we've had a moratorium on on onshore gas and
1: um, also we're gonna have like an info night we'll follow the rally maybe not on the same night but we, <laughs> we not we're we, we working on it at the moment yeah, yeah so cats?
0: hopefully it'll be on the 28th or 29th of september um but stay tuned for that check out quick calls facebook and probably the website as well yeah. um so that's for anyone if you come down to the rally or if you can't make it to the rally but you want to kind of get involved in the last stages of the campaign and really make sure that we just push it through and get a ban on unconventional gas in Victoria, well, um, come down. Yes. Perfect. sign I- the
2: petition on the Friends of the Earth website. That's awesome, <laughs> Friends of the Earth <laughs> website and
1: quitcall.org. So stay with with here for Alternative. That was Dirt Radio affiliate with Friends of the Earth Melbourne,